I feel privileged to be able to lock arms with the Board of Deacons in serving you. Um, They are stepping up in a big way, and they're doing God's work in this church. And when Shay said, you can come to them, he really meant it. And, uh, and me too. Uh, you, all of us as a leadership team joining together and encouraging each other and encouraging you. That's our goal here and to keep us dependent on the Lord because as dependent on the Lord as we are, that's going to be our level of success. Amen? And, uh, and that means now through this difficult patch and into the future as we seek out God's man for this church. Um, there's a Seahawk game on in about two and a half hours. And Russell Wilson is going to be calling, um, probably during the game, some audibles. You know what an audible is? It's when you didn't plan to do it, but you did it anyway. And uh, I'm going to call a couple audibles this morning. Um, I feel led to do that quickly. But um, first of all, I would like to pray for our deacons. Would that be okay? But I want our deacons to stand. I didn't tell them about this because they probably would have fought me on it. But uh, I want them to stand. And those of you that are near them, I would like you to lay your hands on them. They need God's anointing during this time. Would you agree with me? And so I know wherever you guys are, would you stand up right now, please? Okay, we've got Ray and Eric, Shea, Keith. If you feel led to do that, would you support them by laying hands over them? And we're going to pray for them right now. Our God and Heavenly Father, um, this is a, a special and unique time in our church. It's a time when we get to trust you. It's a time when we get to see you work in many, many ways. To comfort us right now as we've lost Um, as Shea said, a pillar of our church, a leader, and on through uh, other difficult things, as the seeking of a new pastor and other things that that are going on um, in our church, in our personal lives, and in our world. We pray especially for our leadership team right now, Lord, as they seek your mind, as they depend on you, as they seek to serve this church. Give them, Lord God, an unusual, unusual anointing of your Holy Spirit. Keep them humble and dependent and empowered each day. Bind Satan and his demonic realm from casting doubt and fear and worry. Um, Put a covering of protection over our leadership team, Lord. And as they make decisions, almost regularly now, give them your divine wisdom and counsel. Father, we, we care for these guys because they care for us. And we just ask your, that you pour through them, Lord, and just give them guidance and wisdom. And uh, Lord God, we just give you uh, them and uh, we give you this church. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I do want to uh, remind you of to read the bulletin. There are some good things in that, whether it's online or um, 
paper bulletin that you picked up on the way in. One of the things I do want to bring to your attention is our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. I, this is the answer, by the way, to everything. God has given Debbie and I a unique privilege of being interim pastors at several churches before we came back to Cedar Home. And we have seen, listen, we have seen that the level of dependence that a church has on God determines the level of their success. And that means home groups praying, you praying individually, and maybe stick your, the, the key to your ignition in your car and come down Wednesday night and pray. And I'm not saying that you can. You may have un, difficult circumstances to get here or that you will, but give it a thought and come and pray. Sam and uh, Jana will be leading that Wednesday night. I bring that up because prayer is really the answer to everything, dependence on God. The other audible I want to call today is to change the sermon at the last minute. I haven't done that very often, um, but with all that's happened, within the last 30 hours, I felt that I needed to do that. I'll come back to Hebrews. Um, but um, I took a break from Hebrews, as you know, uh, for the last two weeks. I went to the Psalms, Psalm 142 and Psalm 46, because I felt that the Lord needed, wanted me to share comfort. Sometimes the church needs to be challenged. Sometimes they need to be comforted. We needed to be, and need to be, comforted. We have many personal issues going on here, mine, yours, for all of us. And we have church issues that we are working through. And God's going to be faithful to get us through those issues. And we have national issues that we need to work through. And so I went to the Psalms, and I believe God spoke to us in comforting ways. If you didn't, weren't here or didn't hear them, they're online, and you can go and hear them there. But if you did read the bulletin, you know that I had a totally other sermon <laughs> that I was going to do, and I decided that uh, that was not the sermon to go to. I'll, I'll revisit Hebrews, I promise, but again, for all that's happened in our church, and especially with the homegoing of Dan Olson, um, our head elder and friend, uh, early Saturday morning, and all the feelings and memories that that evokes brings up, and then along with all the encouragement we need for life in general as Christians in this uh, difficult time on earth, I decided to change the sermon topic uh, to something that I think is more fitting to where we're at. And so what I want you to do is take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 through 18. And I'm going to be talking about our heavenly hope after life on earth. Our heavenly hope after life on earth. And uh, we'll be in verses 13 through 18 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, and we need, we need hope and we have hope. And this message is about hope. The hope that, that Dan had and the hope, if you're a Christian, you have. And to be reminded of that today. Because it's important. Um, really, in general, you could probably say with some variations, but in general, uh, there are two distinctly different viewpoints about death in our world today. Basically two, with variations, but basically two. And one is, is that death is final, and it's hopeless. I've talked to people, people close to me, that in my own family say, when I die, 
the worms are just going to eat me, and that's it. Their very words. Death is final. It's, it's hopeless. And, uh, and then you have people who have real hope after death, and that's you and me, if we know Jesus. And uh, that's, this kind of highlights what's going on here in the Thessalonian church in the first century. They had some very serious questions about the death of their loved ones and how it related to Christ's return for his church. And so Paul instructs them, and he, he instructs us here on this matter. Paul didn't want them to be ignorant or hopeless or forget the fact that, like the pagans around them, they, they had hope. Unlike the pagans around them, they had hope. They could be hopeful in spite of death and anything else. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to inspire you, I hope in a some similar way that Paul did, about not being hopeless and some things that should keep us on an even keel in times like this as a church, personally, and so on. And so Paul gives us some really profound teachings on Christ's return for his church and the part we play as believers. And so, again, the title of the message is Our Heavenly Hope After Life on Earth, First Thess- Thessalonians four thirteen through 18. Brothers, he says, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Our heavenly hope after life on earth. Why did Paul address them on this issue? Why did he do that? Look at verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. And he calls them brothers, Christians. And these believers in Thessalonica were somewhat ignorant about some of the details of Christ's return, especially as it related to their Christian loved ones who had already died. And I want you to note that their deceased Christian loved ones are referred to Paul, by Paul in verse 13 as those who had fallen asleep. Maybe some of the tenderest words in the whole Bible about what happens when a believer dies. They've fallen asleep. Beautiful expressions used only for Christians, for believers, for the physical death of a Christian. They've fallen asleep. And it's used a lot in the New Testament. Um, when a little girl had died in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said, no, she didn't die. She fell asleep. When he spoke of Lazarus, Jesus said, and, and he said, "Lo, Lazarus is dead. He said, no, he's not dead. He fell asleep. And when Stephen the martyr was murdered for his faith, it says he fell asleep. You know where, what happened to Dan 30 hours ago? He fell asleep. It's a beautiful expression. He fell asleep. He's not dead. Physically, yeah, but he just fell asleep physically, but he's alive. Yeah. 
there's something to be rejoiced in here in the midst of this difficulty. Amen? I mean, you know. And because of their ignorance, some of the Thessalonians were grieving like the rest of men. Okay, we grieve a physical loss, but we don't need to grieve like it's a permanent ending of his life or anyone who dies in the Lord. When he says the rest of men, he means the non-Christian pagan world around them who have no hope. They have no hope about life after death and the fate of their loved ones who died. Apparently, some of the Christians in the Thessalonian church had believing loved ones who had died, and they were wondering that if when Christ returned, would those who had already died miss out somehow in participating with Christ and his glory in his second coming. And they wanted to know what happens to believers who die physically before Christ returned for them and what their role in Christ's return would be. And so they were kind of edging toward the pagans who were hopeless in the face of death, just like today. Let me quote to you a pagan writer of that time who wrote something, and this is really how... To, and you know what? This is as real today as it was then. Now, let me read this guy by the name of Cat, Catullus. He's a pagan, an unbeliever, and he wrote, quote, Suns, as in planets, suns may set and rise again, but we, when once our brief light goes down, must sleep an endless night. Boy, that's, that's a cheerful quote, isn't it? No hope there. That's, you know, and that's what it's like in the world today. And that's, I'm not going to get into it real much because then my temperature will rise and I'll, I'll get lost in it. But that's why so many radical and crazy stuff happens in our world today because people are clinging to this life. It's just an endless night for them when they die. So they do things and create things that just helps them hang on to this life because they don't want to die. They were hopeless and are hopeless regarding death. Paul didn't want these Christians ignorant or grieving about their Christian loved ones who had died because they didn't need to be hopeless. He had good news for the Christians who had lost loved ones or we're going to maybe in, in, a, in, a, in a short period of time lose loved ones. They didn't have to be hopeless like the world around them. Those Christians who had already died wouldn't be left out any more than those who are alive at his coming, and Paul wanted them to know that. Let me put it in a succinct statement. Christians have hope in this life because they will live after death. I want to, you know, guys do this on Easter, they, and I should do this on Easter, but never done this on Easter. But a great passage is in John chapter 11 where Jesus says, I am the resurrection, eleven twenty-five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I didn't say that. Jesus said that. But thank you for answering. Okay. I think Jesus liked that just now in heaven. The bottom line, dead or alive, Christians like Dan Olson, 
and every other true believer have hope because Jesus rose from the dead. Look at verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So let's take that apart. Jesus died and rose again. He paid for our sins on the cross. He then conquered death through his resurrection, and he is the basis for our hope. And so the moment, this is what it's saying here, the moment a person believes, whether it was at the bedside of their mother at five years old or coming to Christ when they were 105, the moment a person believes, that is, they repent of their sin and put their trust in Christ as their Savior and Lord for the forgiveness of their sins, the moment they believe in Christ, and the moment that at that moment they become a Christian, and spiritually they are baptized into Christ, identified with Christ in the eyes of God, placed into permanent union spiritually with Christ forever, and physical death does not stop that process. Because we as Christians are placed, and because we as Christians are placed into Christ spiritually at salvation, we're linked to him forever. And we can be confident that we go to be with Christ at death because we're already with Christ in spiritual union permanently. So we go where he goes. We're eternally linked to him. Dan was eternally linked to God the moment he trusted Christ. And he went to be with him just like every other Christian does. And that gives us hope. It gives us hope for ourselves, for those that we know that uh, will die as believers. And it gives us hope for our believing loved ones and friends who have already died. It gives us hope. Because Christ rose, and since we are in him, we'll rise too. His resurrection is our guarantee of eternal life. Another great verse uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Don't we know that we're in union with Christ? If we are, and we are in Christ, if we know the Lord, we're going immediately at death to be with him. Now, let's look at the order of these events. How is it going to happen? Let's look at verse 15. According to the, and actually verses 15 through 17. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, in the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. And you know what that word forever in the Greek actually means? It means forever. <laughs> Never ending. Isn't that, isn't that great to sit here this morning as a church and know that? Regardless of who's in power in our world today or in our country, regardless of what policies there are, regardless of what all the shifting winds in our culture are, 
we're going to be with the Lord forever at the moment of our physical departure or whether Christ returns to us first? I'll tell you what, that is, and that, and, 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 and Brother Shea and I were talking before the service, that and the fact that God is in absolute control keeps us on what? An even keel emotionally. I was hoping for a, an amen at that point. Okay. My wife says amen. Your wife always comes for, through for you, and if nobody else does. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, let's look at the order. Here it is. Saints, Christians, who are physically alive when Christ returns will not rise before or instead of, and this is, think of yourself as Thessalonians right now, Christians. This is Paul's instructing them and us. He says, saints who are physically alive when Christ returns will not rise before or instead of those Christians who have already physically died or fallen asleep. Verse 15. Again, those who have fallen asleep are, like Dan and others, Christians, they are Christians whose souls, and by the way, the soul in, the, in, 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 in the, the Greek culture and in the scriptures is the combination of our mind, our emotions, and our will, and our, and our spirits are our capacity for God, okay? Uh, Christians who have fallen asleep are Christ, uh, people whose souls and spirits have gone to be with the Lord upon physical death but whose bodies remain in the grave, okay? And so, like Dan, any believer who dies before the Lord returns, their body goes into the grave, but the body's not him. He is, his soul goes to be with the Lord. I think C.S. Lewis said it, I, I think it's what he said, he says, we're not uh, bodies with a soul, we're souls with a body. Isn't that great? The main part of us is our soul, and our spirit, not our body. Anyway, these, these people um, will not rise to Christ behind those who are physically alive at Christ's return. Verse 15 says that. While deceased unbelievers, and we don't want to be that, obviously, pass immediately into a conscious existence of separation from God upon death, deceased believers go immediately and permanently to be with the Lord in heaven. And the, the signature verse, guys, is 2 Corinthians 5.8. I must have said this a couple hundred times in my preaching over the years. To be, maybe, hey, why don't you quote it with me? To be absent from the body is to be, boy, most of you know that. Let's try. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's like, Boom. Instant transition. 30 hours ago, and I'm not trying to minimize the tragedy of, of Dan's death and the loss of his death. These, both these guys, I wish they wouldn't have choked up because down there I was choking up because of this loss. But come on, 30 hours ago, he went into the presence of the Lord. Thank God for that. We continue to pray for the family in this painful loss, but thank God for that. And for any believer who passes away. Fully conscious, fully conscious, joyful, apart from their bodies until we get our new resurrection body. I'll get into that in a minute. 
but asleep his body, but in the presence of the Lord, waiting to be resurrected victoriously with a totally new body at Christ's return for his church, along with those of us who are still physically alive at Christ's return. You know, I'm not going to go there, uh, but I'm looking forward to that new body. How about you? What? You know, I've determined the older you get, the more you look forward to that. It's going to be, I was just jotting these notes in the margin of my message. It'll be glorious, spiritual, immortal, powerful, eternal. I just, I'm looking forward to that. I won't have to take Tylenol anymore. Again, just to, I'm, I guess I'm beating a dead horse, but I just want to say this in light of what's happened here in the last even 30 hours. And it's happened for years and will happen again when we lose Christian loved ones and friends. The Christian does not cease to function when his or her body sleeps. When we die, we go immediately to be with the Lord, but our bodies remain until he comes again, at which time they will be raised gloriously and joined with our spirits to be glorified forever with the Lord. Amen. The hope of the believer. I don't care what goes on in this world. We have hope. What a glorious hope we have. And you know what? There's a great little phrase in verse 15, if you look there. It says, I just think this is just so sweet. It starts in verse 15, according to the Lord's own word. We got Jesus' word on this. It's not speculation. It's the word of God in the person of Jesus Christ. It's stamped, done, finished, and it's a done deal. And we're told in verse 16 that Jesus himself will come for us, and there's going to be three sounds, three sounds that will happen. It will accompany him. Now, I don't know if this is true. I, I, I don't know if this is true, but I'll just read this. Somebody said, I read this, that these sounds will be unheard by the unbeliever. Now, I, don't, I always thought they were heard by everybody. I don't know. But it's, this, this is an interesting theory. This person said these three sounds that we're going to look at here in 16 uh, will be unheard by the unbeliever. And, he, and they said it this way, if you take a dog whistle, you can blow on it for all that you're worth and no human will hear it. But you will have a pack of dogs running toward you. The point being, in order to hear a dog whistle, you have to be a dog. In order to hear the shout of the Lord, you have to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And there's three sounds that will happen. Number one, verse 16, it will be with a loud command. The voice of the Lord himself will call us to himself and clothe us with our resurrection body. And second sound will be the voice, voice of the archangel. Michael, the archangel, will not be able to hold himself back. The angels have been looking forward for us to get our new bodies. Okay? And so Michael says, hey, Jesus, can I shout too? And Jesus says, have at it, Michael. I wonder what that's going to sound like. Oh, my gosh. Gives you shivers. And then it will be with the trumpet call of God. Trumpet call of God. And again, Paul, just to be sure, clarifies the, the whole order of things. Verse 16, he says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So he just, he wants it to be clear. When we die in the Lord, he says, the dead in Christ, uh, physically dead, like our brother Dan, and probably some of us, who knows, when the Lord's going to return, we don't know. Um, but the, those who have gone to sleep in the Lord will rise first. And then it says, those or we who are still alive are le- and are left will be caught up. And that literally, in the Greek language, that means swooped up with a force that cannot be resisted. So if somebody asks you, what's going to happen to you after death? You can say, I'm going to get swooped up. There's going to be a big swooping going on. That's what it means. I'm getting swooped up with a force that cannot be resisted. Simultaneously, we'll, we'll, we'll rise together. The dead in Christ, those who have fallen asleep, who have gone to be with the Lord in their spirit, where Dan is right now, and those of us who are still alive, will be swooped up. And verse 17 says, we'll be caught up together. And there's, there's, it, it will be in a blink of an eye. Okay? It won't be like waiting in, in line at the checkout stand for your groceries. You know, it won't be like waiting for things to get ticked off. It, it will be all in one moment, okay? And it'll be a great reunion. And you will be re- reunited with those of your loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord, and you will see them again. And I think some Christians have said, you know, am I going to see, you know, because there will be so many, will I... Will I know and see those who have gone on before me? Oh, you'll know them, and you'll see them, and you'll embrace them, those that have gone on ahead of you. Okay? And we'll be reunited, and all that temporary separation that we're feeling right now, We'll be all united together instantly. We'll gather together in the presence of the Lord forever. So don't worry. You'll see your believing loved one who had died. Okay. We'll meet together, it says in verse 17, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We'll meet the Lord in the clouds. In the clouds. And caught up together with them in the clouds. You know, just today, if you have extra time, go out and look at a cloud. See, I'm going up in one of them. Wow, how exciting. And then the, the, the cherry on top of the whole thing is the last part of verse 17. And so we will be with the Lord, what, everybody? Forever. Forever. No take backs. Forever. And we'll be in that new resurrection body. We'll never sin again. We'll never be tempted again. We'll never be disappointed again. We'll never be misunderstood again. We'll never be overwhelmed again. We will never have a problem again. How many here do not have a problem in their life? Just as I thought. Not one of you raised your hand. I am the only one who does not have any problems here today. I lie a lot too, by the way. No problems. You know, we say that to somebody, ah, no problem. We can really say that in heaven. 
No problems. No bailiwicks. No confusion. No anxiety. No worry. No fear. No, how is this all going to work out? No, what's going to happen? It will be a place of utter and unspeakable joy and productivity and uh, happiness and uh, security. And it'll never end. And we'll be reunited. That's what Paul's telling them. Okay, let's close it with this verse 18. It says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. And that answers the question, why? Why did, has Paul written to them and to us, why do we need this today? And really every day. But why do we need this especially today? Because it's an encouragement. And I, I don't know who's watching online. I, I, sometimes I'm really surprised at the amount of hits we get. I can't wait till we can all be back together again as one family. Amen? It'll be so cool. But for those of you online at home, and if, as uh, Brent said, Olson family, if you're watching, um, we want to encourage you that, that that's where Dan is right now. That he is with the Lord. And there's so much that could be said about who he is and what he's done. I'll leave that for another time. But he, the main thing is he's with the Lord. And that's encouragement. That's the silver lining on the black cloud today, right? And I know it's easy for us to say because we haven't been, haven't lost a loved one within the last 30 hours. But it's still true, right? It's still true. And that's a source of encouragement. And nothing can stop it from being true. Nothing. Okay. Life can get hard. It can get stressful here on earth. This gives us hope. Whether it's when the Lord returns or we go to be with him, we have the hope that we're going to go right into his presence. Okay, that's solid ground. No matter what else happens, whether there's a societal breakdown or persecution comes our way or even death, we have the solid ground of hope, of life after death. Even regardless of what happens. So, to just close this morning, I just want to say this. If you are a Christian here today, and I know many, most of you are, if not all, but I don't know. I never, I never assume that everybody that I speak to in any venue, that there may be a person that has never placed their faith in Christ. But if you are a Christian, you've got this wonderful hope. Olson family, you have this wonderful hope. You have that reassurance that after this life, or if Christ returns, well, we're still alive. And this is true for Dan. We're going to go instantaneously into a glorious, perfect, joyous, productive, unending existence in the presence of God. Okay? For those of us who are still here, 
a couple of words and then I'll pray. You know, Christ could return any moment. And that is such an exciting thing. Any moment. It's also a wake-up call, right? It's a wake-up call. We have this hopes, but, but he could return uh, for his church at, at any moment. So let's keep looking for it as Christians, longing for it, living in light of it, living in expectancy of it like they did in the early church. Jesus himself said, watch, for you do not know the hour. Be ready. Be ready and, and enjoy the fact that we have that hope that he's returning. And we're going to be with him. And if you're not a believer here this morning, this could be a wake-up call to you. You don't want to pass into death, into separation from God forever. You want to pass at the moment of your death or Christ's return into unity with God and his people forever. You say, how do I do that? By becoming a Christian, by asking Christ to be your Lord and Savior, to turn to him for the forgiveness of sins, to repent of your sin, to have a change of mind that results in a change of behavior towards Christ. Believe in him. Surrender your life to him. And so you're ready when he returns. We have hope. We have hope. And just like the sermon title that I gave this morning, it's our heavenly hope after life on earth. Thank you, Lord, for that, for us, for Dan, and for all of our believing loved ones, uh, dead or alive. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close in prayer. Our dear God and Heavenly Father, we are the church. We are your church. We are your visible church in its local form here at Cedar Home. And we thank you that in times like this, we have hope. And, and not just because of our, the loss of our brother Dan, but because of all the challenges that we face, there is nothing that you will not comfort us through and guide us through and bless us through if we cast ourselves on you and place our reliance on you for temporary grief and for difficult situations along the way. Thank you, God, that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. You will encourage us today in spite of our loss, and you will work on our behalf as we trust in you. What a glorious promise. What a wonderful God you are that you will take up our burden as we trust in you. And so we commit our church to you today as we process our loss and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that as we seek your will for our future and for all our decisions. You are there to guide us and how we praise you for that and we thank you for that. And Lord, together we're going to say amen as an affirmation of this scripture and of your care for us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.